Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. If you have your Bibles, let's jump into the Bible study. Welcome, by the way, everybody. Great to see you all. My name is Miles with my wife, Bonnie. We get the great privilege of pastoring uh, this location at our Hills uh, area. So great to be with you today. Matthew 5, this is where we're going to start our message. Get your Bible out. Let's jump into God's Word. Matthew 5, verse 14. We're starting a new series today, and we've got to make sure we get it right. On earth, as it is... In heaven, let's say that again, on earth as it is in heaven. We're learning that the Easter message is not about leaving earth to go to heaven. It's not about hiding or retreating or or running away. But the Easter message through Jesus that heaven can come to earth. And that God actually wants to use us as his followers to bring his kingdom into our workplace, our home lives, uh, this earth. And we're going to unpack that together. You ready? It's going to be a great series for us to learn about God's kingdom. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under the basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your, what is it? Let your Good deeds, we'll come back to that. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that there will be praise, uh, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Father, I pray today, let us hear your word minister to us uh, by the Spirit of God as we study your word that's sharper than a two-edged sword. Do Do a work in our hearts, change us by the living word we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. So a little funny story, I was in my late 20s living in the States uh, from Sydney, went to the States and I was working for an investment company and I was day trading. They had me working uh, on the Comex with precious metals, trading futures uh, out of Chicago. And I was this, I was like 29 and Y2K was coming and precious metals were going through the roof and everyone was trying to secure their assets. And, and I, I knew nothing. Like all I had going for me was an Australian accent. And, to, and, and for some reason, Australia is a primary producing country and they got gold mines. So this Aussie must have known something. And I remember panning for gold with my mum and dad out west in New South Wales somewhere. That's the only experience I'd had. But, you know, I, I read a few books and uh, learned a few things and, and had some uh, graphs. And, and, and you always have a graph when you do a business presentation and to talk about supply and demand and how's it going up because it's limited supply and the demand's uh, going to be huge. And anyway, uh, I had some success there. And part of my job for this firm was working with investors and explaining why they should invest and, and the future of precious metals. And look, I'm 29. I had nothing, nothing, right? Uh, just a few handouts and, and, and an accent. And, and I bought a suit and I'm telling them all about how they need to invest. And then it all finished. It was all going great until we left the meeting. It was this big corporate office. And normally when you're a presenter, you sort of separate yourself. You go out the back door and there's sort of different ways to get into rooms. Uh, But we were all kind of together on this uh, meeting. And so we're all heading out together with all these big investors and brokers. And we're going down the lift and we're walking out to the car park. Now, here's the problem. 
I actually had nothing. I had nothing, right? Just brand new with this company. And I was driving this car. It was called an Oldsmobile. That, that was the name of the car. It's an Oldsmobile. And it was an Oldsmobile. It was ancient. It was fallen apart. In fact, Bonnie would remember, you had to drive 60 Ks or more to keep the engine cool because it would heat up. So flying around Walmart car park, we're like flying at 60 to keep the air going in to keep the car down so it wouldn't overheat and it would often overheat. We'd have to pull over and wait and the ceiling was falling. It was just, it was a bomb, absolute trash. So now I'm with these investors. We're walking in the car park, picture it with me, full of Beamers and, and, and Mercedes and, and, and Audis, and there's the Oldsmobile. It was brown, piece of junk. And I'm like, if they see that I arrived in an Oldsmobile, they're never going to invest. They're going to take all their money back. And so I had a decision as I walked with them. Do I be honest, authentic? Do, 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 do I be true to who I am? And just turn and step into that Oldsmobile with confidence and, and drive off smoke coming out the back and being real and honest. Do I do that? Or do I keep walking and kind of fake that I own one of the BMWs up the back and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, just pretend uh, that, that I'm someone that I'm not and, and just sort of, and I'm thinking if I go to this Beamer and someone in that group owns the car, you know, I'm pretending to go to it. What if it's their car? I'm freaking out. So what do you think I did? Your pastor. Did, did I was honest and open and, and, and did I go to the Oldsmobile? Or did I keep walking and just go straight past it? Who says, I went to the Oldsmobile? Put up your hands. But no one's got faith in your pastor. Uh, who, who says, I kept walking, man. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept walking. There is no way I'm going to stop. And, and, I, and I wasn't pastoring. I was just a, a young adult uh, trying to make some money. Um, but that's often how we live our faith. When we come to that moment at work or family to take a stand, to share our faith, to do what we know we should do, often we just keep walking. So often we get that prompting of the Holy Spirit to pray, to stop, to minister. And what do we do? If you're like me, we keep walking you know we don't want to rock the boat there are too many haters out there we you know we, we don't want to cause division so often we stay silent but we can't let our lives be silent as followers of God we, we are the light of the world one of the great challenges that's facing Christianity today is called privatization of faith privatization of faith. It's a term that's been coined for Christians who are silent, who don't bring their faith to work, don't want to talk about their testimony, don't want to share the good things that God is doing. But in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, let your good deeds, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So there's this commandment from God to let our good deeds Shine out. Notice Jesus didn't say, let your opinions shine. <laughs> let your posts shine. Let, let your preferences shine. Interesting that Jesus says your good deeds. Your good deeds. A small flame in the right position can illuminate an entire room. That's the point of that parable. 
And, and a small word at the right time, a small good deed in the right moment can have massive influence. One prayer, one listening ear, one good deed, one financial gift. In fact, my life was changed forever by one good deed. My, my, my mate, uh, we were living at uh, Northern Beaches at Mona Vale and he was at Warrywood and his parents were, were Christians and they invited me to, to this revival uh, crusade at French's Forest. And, and I thought it was a circus because it had all tents. And I'm like, yeah, where's well, the elephants? This is great. But it was that invite. I'd never been to church, never knew anything about God. Or, and it just, you know, just grew up, just didn't know anything. Ungodly parents didn't know. And it was that one invite, that one deed, I met Jesus Christ that night. I was changed forever. One invite, one deed. As we go into Easter, I just want to stop and say one invite to church. One caring COVID pack. One text or encouragement could change a person's life for eternity. One small light can have a massive impact. But how much more can a whole bunch of lights change the world? How much more can, if all of us shared our faith over these next four weeks, our testimony, invited someone to church with those invite cards that you're sitting on that, that you uh, didn't put in your pocket, but I'm challenging you to put in your pocket and take with you uh, so you can invite someone. One word, one, one moment, one invite can change everything. In 1962, sorry, 1962, any, anybody around 1962? 1962, a few of us were too embarrassed to raise our hands up. It was eight years before I came along, but still, 1962. John Glenn became the first American to orbit the Earth in Friendship 7 spacecraft. Does anybody remember that? On this mission, Glenn flew over Perth. Now, it was at nighttime, and the whole city of Perth, you might know the story, decided to turn their lights on all at once, every home, every building, every street light, they turned it on. And so Glenn, as he's going over in space, looks down, could clearly see the city of Perth. In fact, the city of Perth became known worldwide as the city of lights. They still have the celebration of that event today. Imagine what we could do at our Hills location as, as, as we shine our light over these next four weeks. As we invite someone or, or care or reach out to our neighbours, we can be known and we should be known as a city on a hilltop, the light of Jesus Christ. We can impact our city. Revival can break out. Lives can be changed. There just might be a young punk 13-year-old like me who was, who was just in nippers at Warrywood and the parent invited me to go to this tent crusade at French's Forest and, and my life has been changed forever. So what is the light that we need to shine? Well, it's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. This is what we're studying in this series. Well, what is this kingdom of God? In Mark 1.14, Jesus uh, was ministering. And after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee and he preached the good news. And this is what Jesus says, the very first sentence. What would be the first line that he would declare as the coming king to set up his kingdom on earth? Here's what he said. The kingdom of God is near. 
Then he said, repent of your sins and believe the good news. We always think the good news and repenting comes first. The kingdom of God is near. That was the first thing Jesus said. It was mentioned 54 times in the Gospels. The very first sentence, it's a summary of all the future teachings. The kingdom of God is near, which means the kingdom of God has arrived. What is this kingdom? Well, it began in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 1.8, now the Lord has planted a garden in the east, in Eden. Now, in ancient cultures, a garden was for kings only. It's not like a herb patch or a few veggies that we have today with some tomatoes. It was a royal image of kingship. Only kings had gardens. And so God creates Adam and Eve to rule over this garden. We know the story, if you've been to church before, sin came into the garden and separated uh, man from God. And Adam and Eve hid. They saw they were naked. They ran and they, and they left the garden. And so sin broke this kingdom of God plan that God had. So what happened? Jesus came to bring back that kingdom on earth through Jesus Christ. And when the Bible talks about kingdom, it uses this Greek word, vasilia. vasilia. It means royal power. It means dominion, rulership. It's not about a place. It's about the activity of ruling. So the whole concept of the kingdom of God is for Jesus to rule. But the first place he needs to rule, not just in our geographical location, is to rule in our heart. Now, as a kid, you might remember that this concept of a kingdom, a dominion, a place that you owned, back seat of the car with your sibling. And, and you draw a line down the middle, an imaginary line. No one can cross that line. Your kingdom was on that side of the back seat. Mine was the left-hand side of the back seat of the car. And, and anybody who crossed that line, you're in trouble. And so we would always draw the line with my sister. You know, can't cross. And then I'd get my finger and I'd poke it across the line. You know, just, hey, I'm getting into your kingdom. You know, I'm crossing over. And, and so all growing up, you, you try to find these kingdoms for, for, as a kid. You, it might be uh, your backpacks, your kingdom. It's, it's your stuff in there. No one mess with my stuff. It might be your record collection. Remember record collections? That, that was your kingdom. They were yours. Or, or your footy cards. I remember I had all my footy cards of my beloved manly sea eagles that suck and are hopeless. But anyway, we, 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 we hung on to our footy cards and they were, they were our kingdom. They were so important to us. Um, whatever collections or air. And then when we get older, you know, we might buy our own car. That becomes our, our kingdom. My son, one, uh, we've got five kids. Uh, one of my son, Finn, 16, he got hit this uh, Toyota Camry from his grandma and he's got his learners. And so he started to like put stuff on it. So he got this decal, turbo, decal, it's not even turbo, and he puts this decal. Then he gets this whistle and, and, and you stick it on the exhaust pipe. And it's called a turbo whistle. And, and, and when you accelerate, you know, the exhaust goes through and the whistle goes off. Well, we, we had to lend our car to Lindsay the other day. And, and Bonnie's driving the, the, the Camry with the whistle. Every time she'd accelerate, this whistle noise anyway. And so, you know, you have your, whether it's a unit or, or you buy a block of land, it becomes your kingdom. This is the concept that, that you have dominion over. Now, here's the difference with God's kingdom and man's kingdom. Worldly kingdoms are ruled externally from the outside with power and fear or coercion or greed or, or violence. They're external forces. God's kingdom 
rules from within, uh, from an internal heart perspective where humility and meekness and servanthood and selflessness. There's a quote here from an anonymous person. that This kingdom would not seek to carve out a new state in the Middle East, but rather it would lay claim to the only territory that no government or ruler can access, the most rebellious and untamable dominion on the planet. It is what? The human heart. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It starts internally. Entering the kingdom of God is about surrendering our will to his rule. And it's not one decision, it's daily. Surrendering to his rulership. And then we're able to invite So we're able to start building his kingdom. Albert Schweitzer says it this way, but there can be no kingdom of God in the world without the kingdom of God in our hearts. This is where the kingdom of God starts in our hearts. When we understand this, that the kingdom is not a place we go to, but the reign of Christ in our lives, then we can truly pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, your what? Your, your kingdom come. Come on, let's say it out loud. Your kingdom come. Feel it. Your kingdom come. It starts in our heart. Your kingdom come over my family. Your kingdom come over my dreams and aspirations. Your kingdom come over my future security. Your kingdom come over my loved ones. Your kingdom come. It starts in my heart. Your will be done on earth. That's where we get this quote from as it is in heaven. As we close today, I want to talk about one kingdom principle that we can apply in our lives as followers of Christ so we can shine the light that we're supposed to shine. It's found in Matthew 25, verse 34. Jesus explains who's inheriting this kingdom of God. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones would reply, hang on a minute, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and fed you? Or or thirsty and, and, and give you a drink or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing. When, when did we ever see you sick? Someone is sick today that we know. Or, or in prison. Maybe mentally, emotionally in prison. When did we visit you? Whew, these are tough words from our king today. And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it for what? For... For the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. This teaching from Christ was revolutionary, absolutely revolutionary. This actually transformed the whole attitude of the planet, in fact, to the poor. Because in classical Rome and Greece, no thought was ever given to the needy. The gods despised the pores of the day. The starving deserved no sympathy. Those who were beggars would be rounded up and shipped off. Pity 
was seen as a weakness and unwise. Any assistance given was only ever linked to one's quest for political power or influence in the city. Yet by 362 AD, the culture in Rome had been completely transformed by this kingdom teaching that Jesus brought. In fact, the last Caesar, Julius, he says these words, How apparent to everyone it is, and how shameful that our own people, those who follow Greek and Roman religion, lack support from us. There was no support given from the Roman Empire to their own in need. When no Jew ever has to beg, and the impious Galileans, they're the Christians that were grafted in, support not only their own poor, but ours as well. The Christianity took off. They're starting to put this kingdom in action, taking care of not just the poor in their church and the gathering, but those outside of their church in the Roman world and changed their whole culture. In less than four centuries, Christians living under the reign of Jesus Christ had completely transferred the culture and attitude towards the poor. A historian, Tom Holland, comments about the early church. Every week in churches across Rome and world, collections for orphans and widows, for the imprisoned and the shipwrecked and the sick have been raised. Over time, as congregations swelled, and ever more wealthy were brought to baptism, the funds available for poor uh, relief had grown as well. Entire systems of social security had begun to emerge. In fact, early ch- uh, hospitals came out of churches. Uh, all of the social welfare came from Christians, not governments. And so this teaching that Jesus brought to take care of those less fortunate than us changed It was by men and women living out the values of the kingdom today that will transform the culture and we'll be able to say on earth as it is in heaven. At Elevation, we we want to put this to practice. That's why one of our ministries, Sanjeev and Jocelyn run, which is our missions. And I want to show you the money we've given to people outside our church uh, last year to help those less fortunate than us. Uh, Give It was for the uh, relief uh, in Western Sydney, um, we've given to some INC churches in India and Fiji. Global Care is another disaster relief uh, for people in need. We have a Bible college in the Solomon Islands that we fund. Uh, Blacktown Women's Centre, um, helping those with care packs and domestic violence victims. We, we, we have the um, Edward Edgar Centre where we gave uh, care packs to those on the streets. Uh, the next slide shows Samaritan Purse. We're, we're rescuing missionaries in Afghanistan. Wesley Mission, um, COVID relief in Western Sydney. Red Frogs helps those uh, schoolies leaving high school. COVID packs for our Hills community. All the Stack the Sleigh gifts get to foster kids last year. Bicycles purchased. Um, right now we're working with five INC churches in Ukraine. I got some emails and videos this morning. I'll share them next week and how we as a church are giving financially to make a difference to those in great need. This Easter, we have a time and a chance and an opportunity to shine our light through deeds, not just words, where you can invite someone to church. You can have someone over for a meal. 
Uh, You can give some extra money you may have to the church here at Elevation so that we can bless those churches in Ukraine. You Help a single mom or a widow or a child or or pray for someone. We we can be that light and, and we can impact our city. It starts when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ to make Him the Lord and, and, and submit our world to, to our life to, to His kingdom and His rulership. And then we can live that out by doing good deeds, by impacting those around us, by making a difference. It's time to share our light. And Easter, what an opportunity that we can reach out and love and care and do good for those. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. That Jesus, you came to set up your kingdom on this earth. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we are called to be light. We're called to be salt. We're called to make a difference with our deeds on this earth. We're not called to live for ourselves. We're we're called to live for the greater kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. Father, would you challenge us to give financially, to serve faithfully, to do a, a good deed to someone over this Easter season, to invite them to church where they can hear the gospel. The greatest deed of all, I think, is the greatest miracle of all, which is salvation. That someone can be forgiven of their sins. They can be saved for eternity. And praying together with eyes closed and heads bowed, maybe you haven't entered into this kingdom. Maybe like me, you didn't grow up in church or you didn't know about church. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died and rose again so your sins could be forgiven because we can't save ourselves. All of us have sinned and fallen short. But Jesus came so that we can be saved. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know what your relationship is like. Maybe you sort of walked away. Maybe He's not ruling your heart. Maybe He's not ruling your life. Today's your day to put that right, to say, Jesus, be my Lord of my life. Be the Lord of every area of my life. I'm here to surrender to you. If that's you with eyes closed and heads bowed, just raise your hand and say, yeah, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to be saved. Just wherever you are, raise it up. Say yes to Him this morning, that Jesus can forgive you, that He can save you, not just for this life, but for the next, because heaven and hell are real. And the decision we make with Jesus will determine where we go. If that's you, you need to put your life right. You need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand and we'll pray. For the rest of us, I pray we'd shine our light. I pray we would boldly declare your goodness. I pray we would do good deeds to make a difference. Following your kingdom. Bringing your kingdom to earth as it is in heaven.